Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, I'm Brian Yakey, and thanks for joining us for week one of Life After Death. I do want to say briefly thank you to everyone who makes uh, Sunday mornings happen. We could not do it uh, without you, and we're so glad you've chosen to journey with Jesus. There are opportunities uh, to be part of these teams that we would love to have you as part of these teams. Let us know if you're interested. You can go um, text WITH to our journey number if you're interested in doing that. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for spring. Is anyone, anyone else ready for spring? Um, it's, it's been a little bit tricky the last few weeks, as spring usually does. It doesn't ever just start. Uh, it kind of comes in uh, fits and starts. But there are always a few signs to the beginning of summer or beginning of spring and like truck day for the socks, right? That's always a good sign. Um, or maybe all the snow piles start turning brown and nasty because we know that they're about to leave, but right now they look a little bit nasty as they're, as they're melting. Um, we also know that some of you, I've seen them some of already uh, posting your perennials that are just starting to pop up through the ground. Those couple days of really nice weather we had last week is starting to wake uh, all that stuff up. So New beginnings are great, and we don't know, I don't know what it is about new beginnings that kind of is the, the best uh, for me, but there's something cool, there's something great about new beginnings. Maybe it's a move for you. It's a, it's a move from grade school to junior high. There's a new beginning. Maybe it's a move from middle to high school, from high school out on your own. It could be something like, you know, all through grade school, you had some person bullying you, and finally you get to move to the middle school, and they're not there, they're not there anymore. Uh, maybe when you move out of high school, you get to get crammed into a tiny room uh, full of other people who smell and never do their dishes in a dorm, right? Somehow that's better than being at home, um, but you get to explore new freedoms, right? You get to explore uh, new aspects of life. But today we're talking about life after death. And when we were thinking through this series and, and where we wanted to go with this, the obvious thing that we thought was, hey, this is, this is going to lead us right up to Easter. And Easter in and of itself is about new beginnings. It's about resurrection. It's about new life and new possibilities. <clears throat> also, we were thinking about the last year and this just insane journey that we've all been on together. And what's happened this last year really is this crazy mix of frustration and sadness, um, of kind of longing for normalcy, frustration over what we're having to go through, and, and this confusion and uh, lack of, of knowledge. What, when I wake up tomorrow morning, what else is going to be happening? What new stat is going to be shown across the TV or what new restriction might be placed on our life? There's just been so much confusion over what's going on. And now that we're nearing the end of March 2021, I think we're all looking for hope. We're looking for the light at the end of the proverbial tunnel. And I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's getting to go to sporting events again. I know probably the vast majority of people in this room have not gone to a live sporting event in a year or more. Maybe it's going to concerts. I know some people are concert. They really love concerts. Uh, or maybe it's just getting to uh, give, give your loved one an, an actual hug and not just have to talk to them through a screen. So there's, there's new that we're hoping for. We're hoping for life after death. And, and the things that we took for granted a year ago, um, 
the things that were just normal for us really are going to be new again as we kind of get to move back into that space. So over the next three weeks, we're going to look through uh, Scripture, specifically Romans chapter 6. Today we're in verses 1 through 4. If you have your Bible, you're welcome to to get it out. If you've got uh, the Bible app on your phone or if you're watching this church online, you can actually pull it up right there in the interface. Uh, We're going to be in Romans 6, 1 through 4. And specifically today, we're talking about baptism. And what we don't want to do is explain why you should be baptized We don't want to explain what happens in baptism because Ben's going to talk about that in in about four weeks. But what we're going to talk about today for our series is life after death. Why is baptism important and why does it matter to us in 2021? And today's big idea is this. Baptism gives us a new start to experience life after death. Baptism gives us a new start to experience life after death after death. And I think that's what we want to look at today is what is it that changes when we decide to follow Jesus and, and live in a new life? So let's, let's read the scripture together and see how this uh, affects us today. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who died to sin. How can we live in, in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We therefore, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Let's pray together. God, we are so grateful for spring. We are so grateful that there's a newness of life. Uh, We're hopeful that our lives here uh, are, are slowly getting back to what we would call normal. Uh, but more importantly, I know there are people in this room who need a new start. Um, there are people watching online, people who are going to watch this on Thursday on YouTube, um, who need a new start. And so I pray that that new start uh, maybe can be sparked by the conversation we have today. And we, we do this in Jesus' name. Amen. I think it's always helpful when you're studying a scripture to look at the context of what's going on. Um, This this comes from a book that was compiled over like 1,400 years. Uh, It was written in three languages that none of us speak, I don't think. If you speak Hebrew, by all means, I'd love to meet you. But but it's it's in a language to a people in a culture that, that is not ours. So it's helpful to kind of get a perspective on uh, what it meant to them and what it means to us. So the 30,000 square, you know, kind of the 30,000 foot view of this is that Paul is writing to Romans. Um, Paul was against the church. He was called Saul, but he was against the church. In fact, he sought out the church, Christian people um, to, to arrest and we can look actually in Acts 9 to see uh, Paul, who was then called Saul, uh, that was seeking to end the church. Let's look at these um, Acts 9, 1 and 2. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners uh, to Jerusalem. Like he was seriously opposed to the church. 
the demise of the people who called themselves uh, part of the way before they actually went by the term Christian, um, he thought was eroding Judaism and true religion in God, that they were seeping in and destroying uh, what God had put in. And I think it's important to know that when he met Jesus, that all changed. And that's why it's pivotal for us to look at his story briefly uh, before we look at Romans chapter 6. So after he met Jesus, just after those verses we read, he meets Jesus face to face. He goes blind and he's sent to Ananias. So let's pick up the story there where he's healed. This is verses 17 through 19 of, of Acts 9. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to, see, uh, appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking food, he regained strength, his strength. See, I think the reason that we have to at least know about this story is that that moment for Paul was pivotal. That was what changed him forever. And that's our big idea, that baptism gives us a new start to experience life after death. And that's what happened for him. But Paul was, with every fiber of his being, against Jesus, against the message of the cross, against the message of grace, until he met Jesus and was blinded. And so he comes to the church in Rome, writes them this letter, and, and has to explain to them what this is about, because Rome was not a, a Jewish center. There, I'm sure there were Jews that lived there. Um, but they, they were Romans that he was writing to. They were people who did not believe in the way. So he has to inform them, first and foremost, hey, all of the narratives you've heard about, uh, about the world are false. This is what we know to be true. God created all things. Adam and Eve fell. Sin entered the world. The Old Testament and the New Testament was provided the law and the prophets. God made a way to be with him in worship. And then eventually Jesus himself came uh, to offer himself as a sacrifice. All of that was fulfilled through Jesus. Right? Rome was not a center of belief for the way or Judaism. So what he wants to say is everything that you learned growing up, uh, the way that you worshiped many gods, the way that you actually engaged in very destructive things in your worship, those are not the right ways. This is the right way to worship and know God. And it's through grace that we get that. That's why he said grace is so important. And so by the time we get to chapter six here, Paul said, you know, Paul said he's had his new start. Like Paul is living his life after death. He's had his baptism moment. And so he's trying to describe to them what it looks like. So let's look at those first two verses again in, in Romans six. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have sinned, who died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Now, I went to Bible college, but I don't proclaim to be a theologian. I, I do think about God, but I don't study like theologians do. But I'm so grateful for theologians, biblical commentators, translators, because they can take, um, like I said earlier, a language that we don't speak from a culture that we don't know and 
kind of illuminate the, the nuances of text uh, to us so that the Bible that we read today in English can be a little more vibrant in some ways, uh, and we can understand it a little better. Not that the translation is wrong, but that English just kind of doesn't always do the best way of describing it. So what they're trying to say, uh, what Paul's trying to say here as, as they tell us about in verse 6, uh, we who are those who have died to sin, how can we live in it any longer? So what he's saying, what, what, the, what those people who think about God tell us is, literally what he's saying is, life and death can't exist together. And I think on a cognitive level, we understand that, right? You can't both be alive and dead at the same time. It doesn't make sense, right, that life and death can exist at the same time. But what they're trying to get at is, it's not even that they can't exist at the same time. They're, they're different spheres. Like, life is a different planet from death. That's what he's trying to give us in, in, uh, chapter, in verse 2 here. But the thing is, we're like, oh, well, what are you on, Paul? Like, how can you say that? How can you say life and death don't exist together? How can you tell us to quit sinning? Have you not met me? Do you not know my life? Like, what, are you, what drug are you on to think that, that somehow... Um, I can just not sin. It seems illogical. It seems impractical because we do. We lose our temper with coworkers. We lose our temper with our kids when they don't do what we want them to. But Jesus, we understand, is calling us to a different world. Here's how I want to try to maybe illustrate this a little bit. Um, you all know what's going on with March Madness, right? March Madness. Wherever she is, there she is. So it's crazy. Uh, I won't touch on the whole weight room thing because that's ridiculous. Um, but March Madness, um, the, it's in the bubble. This is the bubble. That's what the March Madness bubble looks like. Uh, no, it doesn't, of course. That's just, a, that's just a funny illustration. But the bubble is the idea that, that the teams, the coaches, the staff, the facility folks, they're separated from everyone else so that COVID's not going to get in there and ruin the tournament. They're, in essence, living in another world from the rest of us. Yes, now we have the internet, so we can text them and, and FaceTime and stuff. But they're living a separate life for these next few weeks. And that's what Paul is trying to, to say to us, that life and death aren't even on the same planet. But here's the hard thing to wrap our minds around. Like, we jump into the baptistry, and we come out, and we go to the same house we came from that morning. And we're still with all the family that we left that morning. And we go back to the same job that we had. So how, how is that different, right? How is it different? Paul actually, Paul actually says this in 1 Timothy 1.15. He said, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. So Paul, church planner, theologian, church leader says, I'm the worst of the sinners. But how is that possible? He's telling us to quit living in sin. What he's saying is we don't give up. We don't throw in the towel and walk away from Jesus. We run to grace. We run to the world of life. We don't run away from him. It doesn't mean we're perfect. It doesn't mean that we get everything right. And it won't. On this side of heaven, it, it, we won't. It's okay. 
but we run toward the, the area of life instead of death. Solomon wrote this in Lamentations 3.22 and 24. Because the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is, their, is, thy, is your faithfulness. Remember the old hymn. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. But God gets it, right? He gets love. He gets grace. He understands that we're going to fail. What he says is, come back. Come back. Embrace life after death. And I think... Knowing that baptism is what brings us into this different sphere of life uh, really helps, uh, in verse 3, drive home the importance of baptism. Right? Paul says this in verse 3, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? See, what Paul states here is you're in another realm, and there's, there's actually freedom in living in that realm. But then he states, we're baptized into his death. And, and, you know, what does he mean that we're baptized into his death? You know, I started talking um, about spring and something new. So what's with this death talk? I think the 20th century uh, philosopher Semisonic said it well. Every new beginning comes from some other beginning's end. <laughs> right? I, my millennial show in just a little bit there. But what Paul's trying to say is embrace the end, embrace the death, embrace the new change, because Jesus' death is once for all. And this is where I think uh, we can get really hung up, that we think it isn't once for all, that I have to keep working to get God's approval. In verse 3, he's saying, no, no, no. You were baptized, you died with Jesus, and were resurrected to new life. Keep running back to that new life. Death changes us. It's, it's final. There's something about it that is, it is true, and it's, we all understand. And when Paul met Jesus, he was changed forever. There's something interesting, I don't know if you, if you guys have read very much about it, um, about near-death experiences. That, that you can walk up to the line of death, but then not die. And people who, people who um, experience that have a unique experience in living after the fact. And if you go to uh, watkinsresearch.com, uh, Vicki Hartley actually writes this about uh, near-death experiences, also called NDEs. One of the most notable changes that an NDE can evoke is a, a renewed attitude to death. Many NDEers are no longer, uh, no longer have any fear of death. Many people have told me that they have already died once and it was a wonderful experience. So when it is their time, they will not be afraid. The person's values can also drastically change and previous pastimes are no longer of interest. There's no motivation to accumulate material possessions or earn vast sums of money. Status is no longer important. And simple things in life, which take, many take for granted, become very important. After an NDE, people like to spend more and more time with their families and friends and become more appreciative of these relationships and all that they have in life. On the surface, we might say, I got baptized, but everything's the same. I'm going back to the same life that I was experiencing before I went in the water. How is this different? 
But something has fundamentally changed. Something has fundamentally changed because we've decided to be buried and raised into new life with Jesus. And I don't know what that looks like for you. For me in 2020, what it's looked like is that I have embraced hope in the midst of confusion. Right? There has been so much up in the air. There has been so much uh, that we couldn't do anything about. It was completely out of our hands. And so having hope through that has been what I've, I've clung to. It's given me a desire to keep hoping in Jesus and clinging to that, even through bouts of depression and anxiety and just fatigue. That's what, that's what it looks like in my life to say, I have been through death with Jesus. I'm going to hope towards something else. And I don't know what it is in your life that has changed. You know, what, what is it about this last year potentially, or what is it that you can say is different since you chose Jesus, since you decided, you know, I'm going to be baptized and live in newness of life. For me, it took a while. I was baptized when I was 12. I vividly remember it. Um, but I don't think it was until like I was 33 that I started really getting grace because it was all works up to that point. I wasn't taught that, but it was just what I believed. So when I started going through Celebrate Recovery, we started a Celebrate Recovery program at, at a, uh, our ministry. I started to see, hey, this thing isn't dependent on me. There's nothing I can do to win God's favor. It, it's grace. He did the work. I get to live in the grace and let him move me more in his image. Baptism gives us a new start to experience life after death. And don't be afraid to embrace that. But that might mean in your life, giving God some room to move in your heart and being quiet enough and still enough. And for me, shutting my phone off enough to actually hear that kind of deafening silence where God can actually speak to me. Finally, Paul really wants to reassure us in verse four that this new start, um, that baptism really reassures a new start. So here's verse four. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And as I said, there's something final about death, right? It happens and it's over and you move past that. But Paul in Acts, he has this this clear um, interaction with Jesus, there was a death, there was a separation, and then he was different. When he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, things were dramatically different from that point forward. And if you've not had this kind of moment, and, and I'm not talking like on your knees, ugly crying kind of a thing, sometimes that happens. And honestly, it's very, uh, it could be very cathartic, you know, just to really give yourself over to, to God and, and, and surrender your emotions to him. But I would pray that you give God enough space to do this work in your life. If it hasn't already kind of happened and you embrace grace in a new way, or if you're moving towards baptism, give the room that God needs to move you that next step to actually climb into the water. 
I don't know what kind of pastimes you have. Uh, one of the brain drain pastimes that I have is YouTube. Um, I love YouTube. I usually study at YouTube University a couple times a week when I got to figure out how to fix something. Um, but every now and then, I think maybe a couple of you will know exactly what I'm about to say. You go down the rabbit hole and you just start clicking links and clicking links and ending up um, places you don't expect. And sometimes that can really lead you in a cool place. One of the things that I love the most is watching videos of people who get cochlear implants who hear for the first time, like babies, right? Who hear their, their parents' voice for the first time or they hear music for the first time. And what do they do? Like all of them, as soon as they hear music for the first time, they're like, yeah, man, this is, or they're like, yeah, man, you know, holding on to something because there's something that has changed. It's immediate has changed in their lives. Another one that always gets me, um, I don't know if you've heard of these, they're called Enchroma glasses, and they help people who are colorblind see color for the first time. So, and I've got a little clip here that I, that I wanted to watch together. Color for the colorblind. I am colorblind. <laughs> <laughs> Now, these are these are special glasses. Your kids have been engineered that when people wear them that are colorblind, you get to see color just like we all see color. Like color. And it came with balloons and all that. Oh my goodness. I can put these on and it'll just rock it was supposed to be. It'll like correct, how we all see it. It'll yeah. correct your eyes so that you'll see how it's supposed to see. It's so clear, I can't believe it. Wow, isn't that crazy? The fact that from from one moment to the next, you can go from seeing colors incorrectly to correctly is amazing. And there's, it's something like watching, you know, watching a black and white television your entire life. And then the first time you got to watch color, I know the little kids are like, what are you talking about? Black and white, what? Like an old movie. Um, but though it's not a direct one-to-one -one correlation with what we're talking about with baptism, there's that click that moment when he puts those on and all of a sudden he can see colors for the first time ever. His breath is taken away. He starts crying. He has to take them off. He's so overwhelmed. That's what Paul is trying to drive at with us. Baptism gives us a new start. And that's what he says there at the end of verse 6. It's shocking the effect of what he says, that we too may live a new life. It's a new life. It's like putting on in chroma glasses. Everything's different. Even though the surroundings look similar, there's a freedom that we can embrace and we can start moving towards God. And I think that's a great opportunity for us in this season. This whole series is about life after death. It's about starting something new. And I think we could all use that after this last year for sure. 
And that's what we offer here. We, we have a baptistry, and actually we're going to have um, our baptism class. Jenny talked about it a minute ago. You can text that number on the screen there if you want to, uh, to be part of that. It's an online, it's a Zoom class. You can literally do it from wherever you are. If you're watching us online right now, you qualify. We would love uh, to have you text, that, text towards that number and, and be part of that. Let us know that you're interested. And, and maybe you're like, I'm ready to do this thing. Sign me up. And we would love for you to join us on the 18th of April. We're going to have Baptism Sunday here. And we would love to have you part, be part of that. We've continued to baptize people throughout the year. Um, and it's, it's just been amazing to see people be ready to step forward and cross that line and say, yeah, Jesus, I, I do want that. I do, I do want uh, a new life. And I hope that maybe for some in this room or watching online that that's, that's where you are uh, today. Let's pray together. God, what a gift what a gift to know that you embrace us and that you're the God of new starts. Uh, we thank you for Paul. Um, you knew exactly what it would take for him to understand your grace and love. He was spiritually blind. He knew about you and it was persecuting you, but it wasn't until he was actually blind and met you in person that his heart shifted and he decided, yeah, I want a new start. And I don't think everyone in this room has that dark heart. They're not seeking out people. They're not desiring to do evil. But there's a newness of life that we can experience in you through baptism that gives us an opportunity to exist in a different way. And so I pray for those who are here on, on, in the room, those who are joining us online, or maybe someone who's even watching this message um, later, that you will allow them to make just enough room in their day, in their, in their heart, that you can work and move in a new way for them. God, thank you for new starts. Thank you for hope in Jesus. And it is in his name we pray. Amen.